passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. From Jordan-Hare Stadium to Auburn Arena. From the Plains to the recruiting trail and all points in between. If it's Auburn, we've got it covered. Did I say War Eagle? Or War Eagle. That's it? War Eagle. This is the Auburn Undercover Podcast with Brandon Marcello. Hey everybody, I'm Brandon Marcel. This is the round table. I'm joined today by Jason Caldwell and Philip Marshall. Uh, bye weeks over. Auburn football preparing to head to Fayetteville to face Arkansas. Meanwhile, basketball tip off of tumors is Thursday. Basketball media day was Wednesday. Uh, but we're going to focus uh, primary, primarily on football, of course, here in the middle of the season. Uh, guys, so let's just get right into it. Auburn coming off a of bye week. Obviously, they had some things they needed to fix, particularly on uh, on offense. They're going against a very outmatched Arkansas team um, in Fayetteville. What are you guys expecting out of Auburn's offense when they head up there? Uh you know, it, it's a it's a weird game to me. It's uh, when you're in Arkansas. If if Auburn was coming into this game with uh, having lost two straight close games, you would wonder if they were questioning themselves. When you're Arkansas, and your only real goal is just to win a game. I, I mean, it's not like they're saying, "Oh, we're out of the race" or "We're out of the championship race." It's just to win a game. And I, I'm sure they'll play very hard. And uh, but that's not really answering your question. Uh, I think whatever it is you got to do to win the game first is the first thing you do, and uh, and then you go from there. And I think that I think they'll run the ball a lot. I think one thing I expect to see, and I've just been reading between the lines and conversations with Gus and whatnot. Uh, I, I think you're going to see more. A, more of a commitment to playing fast. I could be totally off base on that, but that's kind of what I expect. Yeah, that's the that's the key to me. Um, I think obviously I think they're going to run the football and 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 try to establish that. Um, but I, I think not necessarily playing fast. To me, it's eliminating substitutions and and you know we've talked about this for a lot over the past few years. Instead of the the defense dictating what you do. You dictate what the defense does. Right. To me, that's the thing that's gotten lost with, with this offense in the last few years. And you don't have to necessarily snap the ball in 10 seconds. But to me, if you don't substitute and you can get the line of scrimmage and make the defense show their hand 
then you can adjust without them having time to adjust again. And to me, that's the whole key to this thing. I would expect to see more of that. And we've heard Gus Malzahn talk about the, uh, you know, the ability to kind of simplify things. And I think when you look at this, whether, you know, Mike Leach runs about five or six plays, but they do them really well. And and then you kind of build off that. To me, that's, that's the strength of what Gus Malzahn does without substituting so much. So I would expect to see them try to keep more of those groupings on the field together. And if you do that, I think that means success for this offense. You know, I think, I think, exa- I think that's exactly what they're going to do um, going into Arkansas and obviously going into LSU as well. What they got in trouble with at Florida and, and even before that is they tried, they tried a little bit too much, too many formations, too many substitutions, Correct. Just kind of out coaching themselves. Um, and you just can't do that with a freshman quarterback, particularly on the road. And, um, you know, based off what, I, what I've heard, and I'll, t- I'll talk more about it after the game just to make sure I'm right. But based off what I heard, that there it's going to be a very simplistic approach that's going to have a lot of options within that approach. But a lot of the power is going to be in the hands of Bo Nix um, and doing uh, – what he wants to do out there. And of course, some checks coming from uh, Gus Malzahn. But um, I think what you're going to see is uh, an offense is going to have multiple options, but they're not going to be lining up in you know, all these different formations and motions and everything to try and outsmart an opponent. They're going to do some things to see how the defense attacks them. And then they're going to adjust from there and, uh, from what they're going to do, they're going to be able to do several things out of similar formations and same personnel. And as a result, they should play faster, less substitutions, more power and simplicity for Bo Nix, a quarterback. You know, when, when, when Orgeron first went to LSU, who was the offensive coordinator? What's, what was his name? Uh, uh, Matt Canada. Yeah. Matt Canada, all these shifts and motions and all these things that he was known for. And you really, you came into this league and, most people aren't bothered by that. Uh, and if, if they're having any, any trouble, then they just ignore it. And if you watch Auburn's defense, they pretty much, a lot of times they're shifting here and moving there and sitting this guy in motion and they just don't even move. <laughs> so, uh, I, 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 th- I agree with you when you said they kind of outcoast themselves. I think they, uh, and especially on the road and, when communication is so hard at a place like Gainesville, I'm sure it won't be as hard Saturday. But uh, and you know most most up tempo offenses, fans like to complain about it and say there's not enough the playbook small and this and that and the other. But most up tempo offenses don't don't have a whole bunch of plays going into any game. They got a relatively small amount of plays that can be run different ways, which really adds up to more plays than what what people think. Yeah. I agree, and, and and again, it comes back to the the main thing is, is if you force your hand, then the defense only has a couple of things they can do, um, in a short window of time, and if you get those guys in those those defenses, their personnel packages, you have the upper hand, and, and that's what's been missing. And you know whether it's freshman quarterback, heck, we saw it, we saw it with a veteran quarterback last year, Jared Stidham on the road at Georgia. It was it, it looked very similar to what we saw against Florida where you're having problems getting guys lined up, having to use timeouts, all those things. It, it was a very tight, very similar type situation for me. And I think allowing Bo Nix to play football and let him go, uh, this is a guy that's played in a, a, a tempo offense and, 
and made plays. I think you just got to sooner or later go, look, we're not going to do a bunch of things, but we're going to let you do what you do well. And I thought one of the keys for Gus Malzahn this week was saying that, hey, it gave them a chance to figure out, okay, what does he do best? What is he most comfortable with? And, yeah, I mean, they're six games in the season, but you don't have a whole lot of time to digest those things no. until an off week. And, you know, you can call it – it's it's kind of the funny thing. We, we go all the way back with it from, from 2002 to 2003, Philip. You can have the same playbook – but if you don't have the same players and you exactly. don't call the plays at the same time, then it doesn't matter. You know, and, and so that's the I think that's the key is finding what works with this this group of guys. Right. Yeah, I remember talking to Steve Insminger in two thousand and three, who was was highly ridiculed at Auburn, not ridiculed so much these days. But uh, and because what they had done is said, okay, Hugh Nas, the offensive coordinator, and then they had gone and hired Insminger to be the play caller, and said, now you run Bobby Petrino's offense. Uh, Bobby Petrino's offense is is not is different, and uh, uh, Hugh Dahl had had been in it for one year, and Insminger not at all. And and Steve told me he said, "Look, he said calling the same plays is not an issue." He said, "We can call the same plays." He said, "But when something goes wrong, we don't know how to fix it, and we don't know what sets up what." And so, what should have been a great team became a five loss team, and. Uh, um, and I, I do think that's, that's important that, that everybody's on the same page and everybody understands that I, I think that, uh, I think s- simple is good. I don't think, I don't think you're going to get so complex that defenses in the, you're not going to get so complex that Georgia can't figure it out. That's not going to happen. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You deserve the truth. The enemy is at our gates. The fight for humanity. I look at your faces. I do not see defeat. No! And I do not see surrender. Is far from over. You will not make that stand alone. We have something the enemy does not. We have heroes. Halo. New season now streaming. Exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Auburn's situation is, is just under Gus Malzahn, as we all know, when they get into a bye week, they refocus and they look like a, not necessarily a different team, but they look like an improved team after every single bye week. Uh, um, I would say maybe except for actually last year where they actually still won and beat Texas A&M, but they, they didn't look like a better team in that game, even though they uh. came back. But uh, they changed things up. They learned about their team, obviously, and I, I know fans hate hearing about that over and over again, and and the thing fans always complain about is why does it always take us a few weeks to figure out the offense and all that? Well, I mean it's like that for a lot of teams unless you've got a bunch of seniors returning at skill positions and you know an, an elite quarterback who's been there for two years. But you know, I think for Auburn, the big question going into this game, one. You know, obviously you want to perform better on offense, but two, can they perform better with a different running back? 
uh, Booby Whitlow's out, as we all know, for the next three to five weeks, it appears. And uh, it looks like it's going to be a committee approach. Cam Martin, DJ Williams, Malik Miller, Sean Shivers. It uh, looks like they're going to be the top guys. I, th- I would think Cam Martin's going to get the quote-unquote bulk of the carries. How do we think this rushing offense is going to change uh, without Whitlow out there? Is it, is it going to be okay? My question is, will it be okay when he's been at his best, which is we got we got to go win the game or we've got to run out the clock? Uh, that, to me, is the big question. I, I My guess is that the yards won't change a whole lot. Uh, but that that's the question to me. Okay. There's four minutes left in the game and we're ahead by five points and, uh, we need to keep the ball. We don't want to throw it. Uh, can you, can they do it? And, uh, I don't know the answer and I don't think, I don't see how anybody could know the answer at this point. Yeah. uh, For me, the biggest question is, is the adjustment period after the scripted plays. What happens after that? Because I think in those situations, you have a good feel about what you're going to do. You're putting guys in the right positions. After that, what happens at running back? Because for me, the key is going to be going back to what worked the best and finding a hot hand and staying with it. And sometimes you don't know that until the game happens. Can they adjust and make that call early enough to where it makes a big difference on Saturday? We've seen them do that, and but the issue's been, well, it's always been Booby Whitlow that was the hot-hand guy. Um, now, what, will you will you stick and will you give the carries? Now, I think we all think that D.J. Williams could be that guy, but what if it's Cam Martin that's a guy that's averaging seven yards a carry? Is that a guy you stick with? Heck, what if it's Harold Joyner? Are you prepared to give him 12 or 15 carries? To me, are you prepared – to play that hot hand guy and let him kind of take things over after that scripted play sessions up, because we've seen this offense kind of go into some lulls once that script's done. And to me, that's going to be the key, not having BB Whitlow. Can you find the right hand to give the ball to? Yeah, I think you're exactly right there. I mean, we, we talked and Gus Malzahn's talked plenty about in-game adjustments and now you're dealing with a, just a big question mark. I mean, you kind of, you know what you got at Cam Martin, but you don't quite know what you got in DJ Williams. You don't know quite what you got in Sean Shivers. If you were to give him six, seven, eight carries, if he had to, um, and make make sure those aren't all outside runs, um, uh, then you know what if Cam Martin comes out on fire, but then once the scripted plays stop, he starts slowing down. Do you get DJ Williams more involved, or you get Sean Shivers more involved, and then also uh, this is somewhat related to the running game, but I, I think in this game and obviously moving forward, they've got to find ways to get Anthony Schwartz and Shivers involved in this offense. No and not just from the typical things we've been seeing with sweeps, end rounds, reverses. they got to get them involved in the passing game. I, I don't know about you guys, but they got to get those two more involved in the passing game. I, I certainly agree on Schwartz for sure. and uh, But I, I think also that they, you know, you, I thought at Florida they gave up. Uh, you know, Florida was was playing their defensive ends in a way that made it hard to run their the sweep to Schwartz like they like to do. So they just never gave it to him again. I, I think you have to uh, you, you have to adjust and 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 find another way uh, because he has to have the ball. 
ball in his hands. And it, it, even in the passing game, if they decide, if the defense decides we're going to double cover him and he's not going to catch it, then he's not going to catch many passes. And that's what I, Florida did. Right. I, I think you've got to, I think you have got to find, find creative ways to get him the ball. And I think they know that. And I think they were committed to that. And I think we'll see more of that. But, uh, but I, but I just don't think you can count on him touching the ball ten times, throwing it to him. Well, and uh, so I think you got to do do some of those other things. Yeah, the only way for me is <clears throat> we haven't seen him use much yet, and I think a lot of it was because of, of that the thing on his hand. It's hard to throw the quick game. Right. You can throw the deep ball, and and you can kind of cradle that ball, but you can't cradle it when you're throwing the quick game. I think you know if he doesn't have a cast on his hand anymore. All of a sudden, the wide receiver screen becomes an option for him, you know, or the short game like we saw against Tennessee, where he makes one man miss and takes it the distance. To me, that's how you can get him involved. And hey, the biggest thing for me, put him and Seth Williams on the same side of the field. Those guys have to play together. Those are your two best playmakers on offense right now, bar none. You got to play those guys more. I think they were only a handful of snaps. They were together Nine. against Florida. Maybe there's got to find ways to get them both on the field at the same time. That 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 would be huge, obviously. <laughs> and you know, with Schwartz, you're talking, uh, you know, Jason about the quick game and stuff. And Schwartz would be fantastic on slants and drag yes. routes and stuff. Uh, he would be extremely dangerous. A guy who gets a full speed ahead as he's running and catching the ball in the open field, even if he is being in, uh, covered, he'll outrun him and maybe break a tackle. And all of a sudden, you open up the middle of the field and different areas and well I mean, um, we've, we've seen alabama's offense um yeah every one of those wide receivers look like anthony schwartz yes they're not big physical guys that are going over the middle they are small quick guys that you can't catch in man and coverage they, and, and they're running that, these are they run these rpos and that's it and see, and to me that's that's bo nick's strength and if it's they catch the it behind the line if they catch it behind the line i mean i've never seen as many slants turn into touchdowns Correct, and and Bo has has his, uh, his whole life has run the RPO. I think that's a situation where you can get some more out of this offense and almost like extended handoffs at times. I think we're going to see more of that. I think uh, we are too. <laughs> I could be wrong. I have been wrong many times before trying to figure out what they're going to do, but uh, but I think we're going to see more of that too. Uh, this week and going forward, it's uh, I mean, you just you, when you have a guy, I think sometimes fans get. They say, well, look, he's faster than everybody, so he's going to always be open. Well, that's obviously not true. I mean, even as fast as he is, he's not that much faster than SEC cornerbacks. And plus, when there's two of them covering him, then he's then he can't get open. And uh, uh, now Seth Williams, on the other hand, he can be double covered, and you can throw it up for him, and he can go up there and get it. But that's, that's not who Anthony Schwartz is. So I think that uh, – but I think with Gus, it gets back to the same thing. I wrote about it earlier this week. It gets back to, for his offense to be successful, they have to be able to run the ball. And yep. uh, if they can't run it, they're going to struggle. Yep, exactly. And, and I think they got to figure out, if somebody comes out and, 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 and stops them like they have been stopped in the first half two or three times, they've got to figure that out before they get in the locker room. They got to figure it out on, on yeah. the fly because otherwise you get yourself all of a sudden you're in a game that, uh, uh, you didn't want to be in. And, uh, uh, and that's the one thing I've been, I've been puzzled by because Gus was asked after the first game, can you not make those adjustments on the sideline? And he said, 
yeah, we can. And that's what we have to do. Well, it's happened at least two more times since then, the same yeah. thing. And, and, and that's why, we, you know, we asked about it. I think all of us have asked about it a couple of times. You got five senior offensive linemen. Yeah, that's where the, that's where the adjustments happen. Right. Absolutely. That's where yeah. it has to happen quicker. And they can do that. I just, that's, uh, uh, but I, you know, I, I, of course, against Florida, I, I, other people, people in the program will always be confused about why they, they, until it was really too late, didn't take advantage of where Florida was obviously vulnerable on defense and, and, and yeah. attack, attack the middle of their defensive line. Yeah. I, I just didn't understand just, why they didn't do didn't more inside zone. Didn't make any sense. Didn't yeah. make any sense. Yeah, they started doing more inside zone there. Um, actually, on that that long drive, I was going to say the interception mid, mid to late third quarter. They started doing it, and and then they, uh, you know, even the uh, they had two drives where they did it, and they moved the ball both times. They actually they didn't score in the second half, but they moved the ball a lot better in the second half than they did in the first half. The turnovers just killed them. But uh, I did that. That was. That was kind of strange to me, and I think that it was, as Gus looked back at it, I think it was strange to him, even though it was him doing it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, you talk about strange games. You know, Arkansas's horrible, but Gus Malzahn's made this point, and, and it's true. They've been in games against A&M and Kentucky that they probably should have won, particularly yeah. the Kentucky game on the road. They were up 13 nothing. Going against a quarterback who had just put, was playing receiver, um, and yet they blew that game. They, I mean, it just comes down to one possession for them. Um, of course, this is a team that lost to San Jose State at home after turning the ball. I think they threw five interceptions. Five picks, yeah, game. five interceptions. Uh, just crazy. But um, it's supposed to rain Saturday morning. Maybe not during the game, but it's supposed to rain. It's going to be a wet field. Arkansas's turned back to a natural grass surface instead of that uh, fake stuff. Um, it, it could be a little sloppy potentially, and and cool out there. It's going to be different elements that Auburn hasn't faced this season. They've been playing in the heat or or indoors uh, this season. So uh, I just get a weird feeling about this game. What it you know? What if it's close early in the you know? in the second half and Auburn's turned the ball over and all that. I mean, I think the only way Auburn loses this game is if they turn the ball over several times somehow. And, but you know, uh, I, I lean into this. Yeah. You know, everybody keeps criticizing Auburn's pass defense. I don't think the pass defense is a problem. What the, what the quote unquote issue is, is that Auburn after this game will have faced three of the top four pass offenses in the sec already. And they faced Oregon with a first-round quarterback in Justin Herbert. So they're going to get a lot of passing yards, and all those teams, for the most part, like to throw the ball about 30 times a game. And to be quite honest, it's probably the way to beat Auburn because their strength is the defensive front right now. But you look at it, and I saw this incredible stat from uh, Justin Ferguson of The Athletic. Auburn's ranked second nationally in pressures against a quarterback. Um they're getting there. They're affecting passes, and that's why they've been successful uh, on defense, even if they're, quote-unquote, allowing a bunch of yardage. So I think in a game like this, yes, Arkansas likes to throw the football a lot, and they're one of the top four teams in the SEC in doing so as far as attempts per game. But this is going to be probably the worst quarterbacks and 
passing system they faced. And I think Auburn's, Auburn's got a great opportunity here to force some turnovers, multiple turnovers on the road in this game. To me, after looking at Arkansas and doing the previews on both sides, I do think their front seven is, is much better than people believe. So I think it could be a little more difficult at times on Saturday. Their issue's been their offense has turned it over a bunch. And, and to me, if Nick Starkle is a quarterback, then I think for Auburn, it's, it's risk-reward. He's going to make more plays, but he's also turned it over seven times this year. Um, their wide receivers are young, but they're big physical. We know Chad Morris. It's going to be a controlled passing game, and and so especially if you know if he's playing, you know, this quarterback that came from SMU, then I probably a lot of short game. We've seen Auburn had had to adjust to that all year long. I think this is a game where you can play tighter, um, maybe force more things. And and you talked about the stat of the quarterback pressures. The amazing thing to me is that you've done that with essentially nothing from Nick Coe and very little from – I mean, Big Cat has some pressures, but you haven't gotten a, anything from T.D. Moultrie other than a yeah. couple of plays. Two guys you thought would probably be the leaders of those group in terms of getting to the quarterback, and you have nothing from them to speak of. And, if those and, guys can get going yeah. with the guys you got in the middle, the, it could be a game changer when you talk about LSU and, and Alabama down the road. And they're doing yeah. it mostly with a four-man rush. They yeah. like they're doing exotic blitzes or anything like that. You know, you talk about turnovers, and that, and that's crucial. If you look back to last season, Auburn turned over what five against Mercer five times against Mercer, and it's a one touchdown game in the fourth quarter. If you start turning the ball over, you can lose to anybody, as Georgia learned to its chagrin last Saturday. Uh, um, so I think they got to not turn it over, but I also think if the, if they don't force turnovers I think they have a they have the possibility of being in a game and and uh, I'm personally not going to be surprised if it's a game into the second half I would be surprised if it's a game in the fourth quarter but uh but I'm not going to be I I'm not so sure that Auburn's just going to go in there and and uh just say we're better than you and be ahead 20, 28 to nothing at the end of the first quarter or something. I don't really expect that yeah. to happen. Yeah, what I don't think, I just don't think Arkansas is going to come in and score a bunch of points unless, no, 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 unless Auburn gives them a bunch of opportunities. To me, right. that's the thing that stands out is that I just don't see this team moving the football a ton against Auburn right now. They might yeah, get some field goals, but they're not, just, you know, I, I, they're not going to hit big plays, I don't think. No. They're not going to do those things that you need, that you really should need to do to have a chance to win the game. And even if Arkansas does move the ball, which they've been able to do this season, they're one of the worst teams in the red zone. When that field shortens up for them, they make a lot of mistakes. They're the fourth worst team in the country in red zone offense this season. Um, and they've been in the red zone quite a bit, and they just keep shooting themselves in the foot or defenses are stepping up. And when that field gets shorter in this offense, for whatever reason, Chad Morris's team has, uh, has struggled quite a bit. And Auburn's red zone defense – one of the best in the nation. So that's something to keep an eye on if Auburn is allowing Arkansas to quote unquote move the ball down the field early. Just then don't break if that happens. And history shows, at least with Arkansas this season and Auburn this season, um, Auburn will have the advantage there. You know, I I I, I kind of think, you know, we're we've been asking and and reporters have been asking about crowd noise. Um, and I think maybe we're looking more ahead to LSU here in yeah. a week because <laughs> yeah. I, 
I guys, I th- I think this crowd at Arkansas is probably Jason. I think you were there. I'm sure you were there. It's probably gonna be the worst road atmosphere they've been at since Missouri two uh, years ago. Uh, you com- you factor in early kickoff, the potential for wet weather, the way this season's going, and then you know this always is the least traveled road trip for Auburn fans anyway. But you factor in this season, an opener in Arlington, Texas, where people wanted to go. Texas A&M, where Auburn fans want to go anyway because it's a good trip. And then the first trip to Gainesville in, in a dozen years. This has got to be – this is the bottom of the totem pole. And so because of that, I mean, there's not going to be a whole lot of Auburn presence, I wouldn't think. And, I mean, I don't think a whole lot of Arkansas either. You're right. That, that could also make this one – a little more interesting to begin with because it could feel like a spring game. It's just a weird atmosphere. Yeah. It's not, it's not, it's it's not a, uh, it's, it's not an intimidating atmosphere. It's a weird atmosphere. And, uh, um, I agree. Uh, Brandon, do you agree with me that Arkansas in most ways would be better off if that stayed in the big 12? Yeah. I mean the, just the geography, I grew up there, the geography, the placement, the school, uh, even the things they focus on as a university and their athletics department, the, the, the things that they were so successful in, um, I, you know, listen, the sec and the money is great and everything, right. but it, it's just doesn't fit in the sec. Neither does Mizzou. Um, it, it's when you go to Arkansas, you know, I've been away for, uh, I guess 10 years now, you know, when, when I go back there, I mean, it's home to me, but when I go back there, I'm just like, I don't feel like I'm in an SEC city right now. Right. I, I've never felt like that even when I was growing up there. And, um, you know, they've had some great crowds before when they've been ranked and they've been good. But even then, it, it just didn't feel like an SEC town. That's not to say anything against Arkansas, but it just reminds me of a Big 12 city. Like, you know, it's bigger than Manhattan, Kansas or whatever. And, and, but it reminds me of Columbia, Missouri, and it reminds me a little bit of Manhattan, Kansas. It reminds me of Norman, Oklahoma. Uh, so the same thing, and that's the same thing with, for me for Texas A and M. It's big, yeah. it's beautiful. They have money, they have fans, they have, but it doesn't feel the same when you're in the stadium. It almost feels like a ritual instead of the difference between yeah. College Station and Gainesville was night and day. I mean, it's not even oh, it's yeah. the same place. And yes, yeah, kind of the same thing. It's it's just a little different different atmosphere. It is. Could you imagine yeah. the swamp having a state the stadium being as big as uh, call in College Station? The swamp for that yeah, game. You, oh my god! Wouldn't gosh. be able to hear anything. Yeah, you know, I, I, I've always liked Fayetteville. I, I like going there. I think it's a neat town. But I agree with you. It's different. It's just, it's different. It's different feel on game day. It's a different feel at basketball games. Even it's just different. It's. Uh, uh, and I, I don't have a lot of experience with Big 12 c- cities. Uh, I've been to most of them once, probably. But uh, I, it's, it's just different. And I think that it's it's different for p- players. Or SEC players are accustomed to to playing against guys that they were recruited with and, and right, all, all right. those things. And then you get out there to Arkansas, and you don't know who any of these guys are. Yeah, they're uh, Texas guys. They're, they're right. Texas guys and Arkansas guys and Oklahoma guys. They're um, – they, they, these guys have never ran into each other, even in the in the uh, seven on seven circuits and everything in the summer. It's it's like playing a Big Twelve program. It's, well, and that that makes that Arkansas Texas A and M game a couple of weeks ago 
it kind of throws a wrench into kind of taking a whole lot from it because for the yeah. Arkansas guys, that's a homecoming game. That's a huge game. And for the last two seasons, really, they played them pretty good, pretty good think, last year too. I think all yeah, but one game that they played has, has been decided by a touchdown or less. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, it's always close. And, uh, uh, and plus, I mean, Texas A&M is okay. Uh, I don't know they're much better than that. Uh, yeah. It seems like Texas A&M, uh, that's kind of jumping everywhere, but it looks the same. I mean, it looks like it looked when Kevin Sumlin was there. It's uh, Yeah, I, I agree with that. It's uh, it's always the same. It just doesn't seem like, ever since the Manziel era, it's just been kind of a flat. I mean, they know. got they got some good players, obviously. And, uh, Absolutely. They've and had every year, spirit. every They've year, people on. get excited about them before the season, and then Every year they go nine and four, eight and five. Well, it's just amazing to me considering the talent they've had, especially at receiver, oh. the last few years. Um, and they haven't been able. I mean, obviously they played Clemson close last year, and that was before Trevor Lawrence stepped in as the starter and everything. And that was at A and M, and of course that LSU overtime game, which was incredible to watch. But you know, it was not. It's interesting. Just early in the season when Auburn went there to A and M and beat them. I was listening to some radio and then also um, uh, some A&M fans that were discussing things outside. And uh, <laughs> they, they're peeved off right now at Jimbo Fisher. Um, they're, they're already bringing up, we're paying this guy $75 million right <laughs> now. Hey, that, uh, that goes on territory when you get the big money. <laughs> and, and I'm telling you something, this, this weekend, after all they've been through, looking ahead to – Knowing what's at the end of mm-hmm. the schedule, Oxford, Mississippi, right now, not be yeah, a great place to go. Gar- that's no guaranteed win, that's for sure. Not the way. I mean, that's a team that's, that feels like they've got a little momentum going, and uh, that. I mean, well, you better not slip up there. If you do, you're looking at a six loss season. Yeah. If you see what Ole Miss has been doing offensively lately, hey, John Rice Plumley has and yeah. and Jerry Neely have added a ton to that running game. It's Rich. Yep. It's Rich Rodriguez at West Virginia with Mike White. Yeah, Pat White. Pat White. Yeah, Pat White. Absolutely. Yeah. Very similar. Not a whole lot of passing, but a guy that can really run and make plays yeah. and puts a lot of pressure on the defense. And that's really I, – I, I'm with you, Jason. I, I'm When we do our feelers forecasters, that's a game that I might pick Ole Miss. Oh, I might I, do I, it. I'm kind of going back and forth on it a couple of times. But, yeah, to me this one looks like it's, it's going to be hard for Texas A&M to get fired up about this game. Yep. I mean, you're coming to the season. People are going. Are, are they ready to to take the next step? And you look up, and the three games that you had a chance to lose, you lost all three, and you still got LSU and George on the road at the end of the year. I mean, you lost that, all yeah. three, and you weren't really in the game at the end of any of them. Right. And here's the other thing. Um, I don't know what time that Ole Miss game is, but A and M has A and M really been in a hostile environment yet? Clemson. Oh yeah, that's right, Clemson. I'm sorry, I forgot about that game. Um, and they weren't really in that. And it so, was early, it was an early was game. Early game. Ole Miss can get loud. I, I don't know how their fan base is reacting right now because obviously they're losing, but they they look better. I, I think me. they're a little. It's a six thirty game. So I mean, oh, that could be that could be tough. That'd it be could tough. make it. I'm, I tell you, because they're gonna go into this game thinking this is our opportunity to 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 get back on the map. Yeah. Um, and so I, I would guess that fan base be pretty fired up on Saturday. Yeah, that's going to be a fun game to watch. Yeah, more we talk about it. But, yeah, watching Ole Miss's offense, uh, I only got to watch really like 
the first quarter of the uh, Mizzou game, man, I, I like what they're doing with, with the quarterback. Um, that, that could be some dangerous stuff down the road and something that Auburn's got to prepare for, but it feeds right into Auburn's strength <laughs> in the middle of the defense. So anyway, um, I guess we've covered it all. Uh, I'm looking forward to tip off at Toomer's. I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to find parking Thursday, but um, that's going to be fun, po- possibly. Um, I'm sure it looks like rain's out of the forecast. Of course, Auburn tried to do this a couple of years ago. They weren't able to do it, but looks like they're finally going to be able to do it. They're going to do put an outdoor court there uh, at, on the corner, and uh, fans can come out for free, watch a three-on-three a uh, little scrimmage, three-point contest, dunk contest, and all that. And uh, that should be fun. Um, it's incredible how uh, – I mean, not incredible. I mean, Auburn just went to the final four, which is incredible. But, man, a lot of people are interested in basketball. This is the first year, guys, I've bought the Blue Ribbon College Basketball Yearbook for $40. I spent $40 <laughs> on the thing. in all my decades in all my decades the transformation of Auburn basketball is one of the absolute most amazing things I've witnessed uh it it's it's uh you know I I won't say I'm not one that would say Auburn would never get to the final four where they had in my time they've had two teams before before this one yeah. that had real, real opportunities to get there and, and they didn't, but they had real opportunities to get there, but it's, it's not just what they've done on the court. I mean, it's the whole, like you're talking about this, this huge event coming up and, and the just amazing interest. And it's about 90%, if not more than that, all because of one, one person. Yes. And, uh, RB, he gets all the credit. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Well, it is, in, in part, it is because of him. That's correct. Um, no, you're, Philip, you're right. Um, having it, you know, I won't say it, it absolutely takes a guy like that at a place like Auburn, but 99% of the time, it takes a guy like that at a place like Auburn to, to transform something. Right. He's done it by what, going. What you, hope is, what you hope is that it carries over when he's gone. Yes. Well, and, and that's, you also that's, have that's, to have you also have to have more than just somebody that talks. Right. You can talk at everything up, but it, it, sooner or later, if you don't back it up on the court, it doesn't matter. And they, that's, that's they what's amazing about him, though, Jason. Yeah. Is he had people excited and filling up that arena before he started winning? Correct. As I said, you can you can do that, but sooner or later, sooner if, later, if the wins right. don't come on. Because Tony Barbie had people excited because it was hey, at the time that was the hire everybody talked about a cow guy all those things, but when you don't win, it doesn't matter. And he's been able to keep winning and add to it and add to it. And also when you do that, he's shown that you know what you can get some really good basketball players at Auburn because the fans were there and because yeah. you're winning. That combination of things and and we're seeing rosters that that we haven't seen. I mean, oh. know, this this roster has nobody on the preseason All-SEC team, I'll be very surprised if there's not anybody on the postseason All-SEC team. I agree. I agree. Yeah, I, I mean, it's like, uh, it, it's, uh, if you, you know, there's, Auburn is Auburn, and there are some, there are some kids that like the bright lights, and, and they don't want to come to a college town like this. But at the same time, there are some kids that that's exactly what they want. They don't like, they don't like the bright lights. And, uh, but any, anybody who was at the Auburn-Tennessee game at the end of the regular season last year, 
it's hard to imagine a better atmosphere than that for any game anywhere. Yeah, it's been incredible. Um, and not just for the big games. I mean, he's they're packing the house for midweek games. And they sure know? will this year. And they will this year. Absolutely. And this is going to be an exciting team to watch because it's a good mix of seniors and then freshmen. There's really yep. nothing it's, in it's, between. Yeah, it's interesting, yep. So it's like a volatile mix that could like combust or just like continue to grow into something special, but they're going to be they're going to be super talented. We all know that. And you guys are talking about bringing in a guy like Bruce Pearl to a place like this. I mean, I mean Texas A&M bringing in Buzz Williams, um, you know, Ben Howland at Mississippi State. Um, obviously Rick Barnes at Tennessee, though Tennessee had a little bit more um, you know, uh, history with their basketball program, but, um, the coaching has just improved uh, exponentially I mean, the last five, 10 years. Yeah. I mean, you look at, I mean, obviously having, you know, Frank Martin's been there a while, but oh, yeah. having, having, you know, Ole Miss, I mean, you, you look at, at the difference in them in one year. Um, and, and, you know, they had a coach that did a, did a really good job for a long time, but, um, you know, everything in, about this league and basketball, you know, reminds me as much of the mid eighties, as, yeah, as yeah. I can remember, because of you got to have coaching, but the talent level right. you got to go back to basketball. you go back to the year. Uh, what year was it when they just got three teams in the tournament? Uh, and really, it, it seemed like at that point, at the with with the real urging from the commissioner's office, that they said, "Look, this is, the, we we can be better than this, and we should." and and people made more of a commitment, and they've hired better coaches, and they've recruited better, and uh, uh, it's fun to watch. And uh, it, it's, uh, you know, I just hope Auburn fans remember how hard it is to get to the Final Four. Yeah. <laughs> just because you, you get there once doesn't mean you're not going to have to wait a while to get back again. Yeah, exactly. You know, I, I think, you know, once you get there, you're going to want to get there every year, and it's just not going to happen. And I remember, um, man, um, I remember um, when I was in Arkansas and uh, uh, my sports editor at the time was a beat writer back when Arkansas was having its final four runs in 1990 and all that. And then they won the national championship in 94, then when their national runner up the next year. And he remembers the first national championship year, him going, he, he said to himself, man, this is like my second year covering this program. This is going to be fun going to the final four every year. Every, every year. <laughs> and, they haven't been back, you know. Uh, well, I mean, if you covered Duke, yeah. you've got to cover it twice in fifteen years. Twice exactly, in fifteen years. Well, hey, you look at, at how difficult it is everywhere. When I started this in nineteen ninety nine, Auburn baseball was two years removed from a, a second College World yep. Series in four years, and yep. I went, yep. "Well, I'm going to be going to the College World Series at least, you know, once every four or five years." Only took twenty years for me to get there, and so <laughs> you know, because this league in baseball. We talked about it in other sports. In baseball, it's it's ridiculous. There's not one team where you go into it going, right. well, that's an automatic win. And you know, and then you got to have just like this past basketball season. If the kid makes three free throws, this great story never happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, they get beat in the first round. Yeah, and everybody's going, well, and everybody was, said, well, that was an okay. Yeah. It was good because one that won the SEC tournament and all that, but it the disappointing end. It would it would have still been remembered fondly, but not like it is. And uh, and then they went on one of the great runs, really, that I've ever seen by any team. Well, that's yeah. that that one game was by far the worst game they played in the last month and a half of the season. Right, <laughs> was that one every every game else they played lights out. 
but that's the whole yeah, thing. If that's all it takes is one if you lose. Absolutely, and when it's one and yeah. done. Yep. Yep. New Mexico State was oh man, they were so fast, so quick um, in that game, and it was hard for Auburn to defend uh, at times. And Auburn found its own little quick, quick player in Javon McCormick in that game to really make some big plays in that game. I know we're recapping games like they just <laughs> happened, but uh, the, the man that was a special run. And, and Jason, you talk about talk about baseball. I mean. If Georgia Tech pitcher doesn't hang a slider right over the middle of the plate on an O two count and Steve Williams hit it over the fence, that probably never happens either. No, and and it, what's funny is uh, you know I've kind of been doing baseball previews with them doing fall practice, and and somebody asked, well, do they have enough pitching to get back to the College World Series? And I said, well, they made it last year with hardly any. And so, yeah, that's exactly like, right. <laughs> the year you, you you wouldn't expect to make it because your pitching is so low. That's when they make it. So you just you just never know. You don't. You just don't. All right, guys. That is some good stuff. We talk football. We talk basketball. Even a little baseball. Um, it's get about to get to. I mean, we're busy anyway, but it's about to get even busier with basketball right on the horizon and and all that stuff. So make sure to keep it tuned to Auburn.247Sports.com for complete coverage for Philip for Jason. This has been the roundtable. We'll see you down the road. No one has it covered like 24-7 sports. Go undercover with Auburn Undercover. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. Citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new survivor Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount Plus.